And we're back on Inside Black and Gold, Grades Edition, but they're not grades, it's more like a Madden. Anyway, I'm Jeff Nowak, he's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's at Steve Geller, WWL. The show is at Saints Pod on Twitter. And Steve, we've already gone through tight ends. They're at the bottom. Not like I hate the tight ends. They're just the lowest ranked position than quarterbacks. If you had to guess, who would you say was probably the, the next position group on the ladder? Did you group fullbacks in with running backs? I did. That was the only position that I combined, but like defensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback safety are separate. Like, so those are four positions. I will go linebacker just because I think that's a, one of the weaker spots on this team, except for their two main dudes. <laughs> Close. And for the same reason you say it, okay. the depth score really hurts them, but no, it's actually defensive tackle right now. Okay. And, I think when you look at the defensive tackle roster, it probably should be the most concerning one. You did spend a first round pick on it, but right. it's a first round pick that you don't really know exactly how he's going to contribute year one. You look at the names on this, Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, Malcolm Roach, Brian Brzee, Jerron Cage, Prince Amelie, Jack Heflin. Now, what saves this from being below quarterback and tight end is exactly what we talked about in the first segment. And for one player specifically, <laughs> and it's Colin Saunders with his playoff experience. So I have them at 29.5, which is slightly above quarterback and slightly below linebacker. But the grade, so starters I have at a six, depth I have at a six, dependability I have at a six, because these guys have been reasonably healthy, whereas that's a concern I have for some positions. It's like, man, this guy can't stay healthy and we're seriously depending on him. So that's a grade that's going to be interesting. But Dependability was a six. Track record is a four just because there's so many players here and we're combining them, right? Like I'm not just talking about Colin Saunders' dependability. I'm talking about the entire group. And then playoff experience, I have at way higher than it should be, but it's a 7.5 and it's one player who is holding that way, way up. And it is Colin Saunders. is a guy who we talked to after he signed. And one of the questions I asked him was, you know, how do you bring that like, what are some of the tenets of the Kansas City Chiefs who win every year that you can bring in? And one of the things he talked about was like just consistency, right? Things doing the same things over and over again. It's not a question mark. Like one of the things he said was Andy Reid made sure that whenever they went on the road, they arrived at the exact same time. And when you're playing in a bunch of different time zones, right? That's not easy to do. Like they're different distances. You somehow like, but like if they arrived at 4 p.m. in you know LA. They were going to arrive at 4 p.m. in New England. They were going to arrive at 4 p.m. in London if they traveled to London. And they just had to shift when they left to make sure that's when they arrived. And that's the type of thing that he would do. And he's a lunatic to, to some degree. Like he would wear Air Force Ones every day and color in the circle around the F and then a line. So it said like AR1 for Andy Reid 1. So like not all of that is transferable. But I do think that a guy who has not only been to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, last year <laughs> um, has understood what it's been like in that room can bring that to the saints is helpful. And that's why I have that at 7.5, even though he's basically the only one on this list that's been in the playoffs, he has about as much postseason experience as you could possibly have. And for a group that is new and is young and, you know, like they obviously, if you lump the entire defensive line together, Cam Jordan is going to be the leader of that group. But I do think at points it's like, okay, the defensive tackle position does very different things in terms of maybe the, some of the drills they do are the same in practice, so you'll see them working out together. But when it comes to the game, when it comes to responsibilities, 
that's a position group of itself and you need a leader. And I think he's going to be the leader. So that's why I have it slightly higher because when push comes to shove, I think they have a guy in that room who can lead that group to water. Whereas I don't know if that's true of tight end, right? Like, I don't know if like these are all guys who are still kind of up and coming and have not been to the playoffs or at least not been extensively into the playoffs. And that's where I kind of draw the line now. Yeah. Defensive line is definitely a a huge question mark. You mentioned obviously the the guys with the experience are guys with experience pretty much elsewhere. Obviously we, we have a guy like Malcolm Roach who is back in the mix for this team. But yeah, Saunders and Shepard, we still haven't seen what they've done in the black and gold. Saunders, great track record and experience coming from Kansas City. We'll see how we translate over here. And I, th- I think you're, that's, you're spot on with the fact that he's going to be the voice, that leader of this group. Yeah, d- definitely mentoring these guys. And I, I mean, obviously, we, we haven't seen these defensive uh, prospects along the line turn out the best for the saints in recent years so hopefully this first rounder does because it's a pretty major hit that they need here with brian brzee there's you know we talk about the lack of experience the lack of know-how on this defensive line if he doesn't come through i'm not expecting obviously the world in year one out of him but you got to be able to you know stop the run rush the passer kind of deal which we haven't really seen much from that D-line group, I guess the past two seasons has been a – actually, not the, smack that. The last year was really actually a down year from them. The, the previous, they had been awesome against the run. I was I, I was really surprised on the drop-off a year ago we saw. Yeah, they've struggled against the run the past two years, and that's part of the reason you do have this overhaul at defensive tackle because, you know, it's like if you were going to overpay for David Onyemata, it wasn't after last season. No, right? definitely not. Like Shai Tuttle did nothing to make you think, oh, we're going to definitely overpay to keep him around. And so these guys have a lot to prove. Hopefully Brian Brzee can be that guy. But again, as I said, with the tight ends and with the quarterbacks, I'm not projecting anything. I'm going based on what I know right now. Yeah. And that is that this is an unproven group. And so that's why they're third from the bottom. They're only slightly below linebacker. So this was a 29.5 of the defensive tackles. The next position is linebacker. They're at a 30. So you're talking pretty close here. And what what helps them stand up above the floor is Demario Davis has been that good. Pete Werner has been very good. What hurts them is the dependability from Pete Werner and then the depth behind Pete Werner, which does not exist. So from a starting perspective, out of 10, I give them a 9. Like the linebackers, I'm putting it a 9 out of 10, which is only one other position group got a 9 for the starters. But past that depth, I give them a 3. Because where is the depth? There is none. Zach Bond? God, I don't want to trust Zach Bond. I like Zach Bond, but geez, he's done nothing to make me feel confident about trusting him. Dependability, I'll put it at 6.5, and that's the middle ground between DeMario Davis never missing a game and Pete Werner being in the NFL two years and having significant injury issues a lot of that time, right? Like he came into last season already dealing with an injury. He had to miss, what, five games with injury. He's been really good around that, but... Can I depend on him to get through a full season? And that's that combination of dependability and depth issue (laughs) makes me very concerned. Track record, 6.5. I think that's fair in terms of like, this is a whole group. Like Demario Davis's track record is spotless, but, and Pete Werner's when he's healthy is spotless, but behind him, it's a blank slate, really. Uh, We've seen Zach Bond not get it done. We've seen Andrew Dowell struggle when given some extra opportunities. Hopefully that changes. But that's a 6.5. And then playoff experience is, again, in the middle because DeMario has playoff experience, but no one else does. 
So I give that a five. So in total, that's a 30. That's a tough position. And like you mentioned, after DeMario and Pete, the questions come. It's gone. It's blank. It's a blank slate. Um, I don't know what to expect. It's it's a position we've talked about, too, of the possibility of adding someone before camp. Maybe doesn't seem that likely now. But definitely if something – they don't see anything developmental in the guys that they do have, I could see, obviously – some guys that are let go from other rosters that have ex- playing experience getting brought in just because, like we're saying, the there is no depth. I, I, I Like Bobby would say, you know, you're waiting for the juice or the in, the, in the in an NFL schedule this year, he said there was no, like, hard point for this team come the schedule. For me, it's like you look at the, the linebacking court. It's like, like you mentioned, it's like after Davis and Werner, what am I going to do? If, if Zach Bond's been maybe a reliable special teams performer and that's about it yeah no it's a concern uh and it's not like demario if demario was 28 you'd be like okay you know will i I trust it i mean demario is still playing at a high level but how long can you really depend on that and this is a team that's proven they don't really like to draft the linebacker position so i get it (sighs) i don't think this is a this is a sustainable way to kind of run that group beyond this year so you're gonna have to figure it out either way that's why it's down toward the bottom it's still above a defensive tackle because and again it's like you're talking about the depth grade that's probably the closest thing i have to a projection whereas like at least defensive tackle you do have a first round prospect who hopefully can stand out and take over some of that gap of like what do we expect from these players there's no one on the linebacker level that that you can reliably go point to and be like yeah well hopefully this guy plays up to expectations and you feel good about it, right? You just don't have it. Um, and you're like, no, maybe Anthony Orgy is a is a diamond in the rough, right? Maybe That's what I'm saying, yeah, you're looking at an undrafted giant quads are, are enough, right? I don't, I don't know. He and he and Saquon Barkley could have some serious like quad sessions, quad quad competitions, if you will. All right, let's move on to wide receiver, which is the next position on this list. Again, you know, pretty much goes up by a half step every time from at this point. So you had defensive tackle 29.5, linebacker 30. Wide receiver, 30.5. But wide receiver is interesting. And again, I'm not projecting. So that's going to limit how high I'm looking at a Chris Olave, Rashid Jaheed group. Um, but starters, again, actually, I lied. So this is another position that has a nine. And there's one more after this that has a nine in terms of, well, the starters are healthy. This is among the best wide receiver group in the NFL. Um, (laughs) it might not be ranked there right now for a few reasons. One, no one believes in Mike Thomas to be healthy and that's fine. I don't blame them. And then I don't think anyone knows exactly what to expect out of Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave in year two. They know they're going to be good, but they don't know how good. So they're not going to be appearing on any top 10 wide receiver group lists, but I do think they're among the top half, let's say easily in the NFL when healthy. The issue is when are they all healthy? Right. And so, Depth, I put it at 7.5 because I do think that there are some intriguing names behind them. And if you can say one, two, three, four, and four is Traquan Smith, and it's like, okay, as much as people might not be in love with Traquan Smith as your fourth wide receiver option, I don't hate it, right? Like you think, like, go look around the NFL and tell me that you can find uh, several wide receiver fours who have multiple years of NFL experience, can block very well at their position, have caught touchdowns in the playoffs, understand the system they're in incredibly well. Like they've just, they could teach a class on it at this point. I think that's like, when you look at it, I think you could do worse with Traquan Smith. So I put the depth pretty high at 7.5. Dependability, I have it a five because 
Hmm. We've seen this wide receiver group go go in and out in waves. Like the reason Rashid Shahid is popular this year as a breakout candidate and people expect a lot from him is because this group was so undependable last year that the undrafted guy that you brought in as a return ace ended up getting significant run as a wide receiver and excelled. You know, and that's a good thing for Rashid Shahid and it's a good thing for the Saints that they were able to identify him. But like if this group was dependable and healthy, he would have never gotten on the field. So I still put that dependability score to five, track record six, playoff experience, you know, probably unfair. I probably should tick this up. I have it at a three. It should be higher because between Trey Cron Smith and Michael Thomas, there is significant playoff experience there. So mm, I'm actually changing my mind mid midstream here. I'm going to put playoff experience at a five, fix it up to a 32.5 total. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have to change that much because it only moves them up to... So I actually take that back. Wide receiver, I'm moving up to 32.5, which puts them slightly above the two lines. But either way, I think like generally speaking, this is kind of right in the middle. Could go either way. And I think that this is a position that could be a star on this team. But right now, I just don't know enough to say that. No, I love that too. It's like you you look at it, the big three, obviously, Mike T, Olave, and Rashid Shahid, those are the three main wide receivers, uh, I, I think, going into this season. And yeah, even Rashid Shahid, unproven still return specialist, you really thought that was going to be his role. Absolutely electric stuff last season. We'll see what, what they draw for him this year. Olave, too. Uh, we want to see that growth. He already had a, a, a solid rookie season being thrust into basically the wide receiver one role. If Michael Thomas can stay healthy, how much... Will that affect Olave going into year two? Uh, will he still see as many touches? I, I don't know. I wouldn't expect it if a Mike T is healthy, but his involvement in this offense is still going to be crucial. And you would think on that top tier level. And Mike T, man, we know what he can do. It's just all about staying on the field. And hopefully, you know, we've ankle issues, toe issues. I haven't seen him running around much, but I have seen him deadlifting. So I'm just hoping that Mike <laughs> T's ready. To, he's ready to roll and can just bounce, throw guys out of the way this season as I throw my laptop in that case too. Yeah, I think that you you can't question that he's motivated. I think he's definitely motivated. Sure. And, you know, that's all you can ask for. Like, I can't complain about Mike Thomas getting hurt. Like, guys get hurt. It's outside of their control. It's not like he's just saying, oh, my toe's broken and I'm not going to try like he wants to play through injuries, but his body is not letting him. So all I can ask from him is that he does the work and he's motivated and hopefully his luck changes. Um, so for right now, I, he's doing everything that you could ask him to do. I wonder what the under over like in Vegas is for Mike T playing more than nine games kind of thing this year. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think it'd be lower than that. I think it's like it's probably seven and a half. Right. 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 And he could play the first six games and you still wouldn't feel confident about it until you saw him get through seven and a half because we've seen him not only have injuries, like guys get hurt, they tweak a hamstring, they miss a couple games. His injuries have basically been career-threatening or season-ending. And that's you never feel comfortable when there's with that type of situation. Um, no, now we got a 30-year-old wide receiver with foot problems that we got to worry about. Yeah, and it gets older. You look like a guy like Des Bryant. Like when there's a point that you reach where you go off a cliff and you it's hard to identify, but then it's like you just can't make it anymore. You can't do it anymore, especially with big body guys like that. Brandon Marshall was the same way. Like 
he was really, really good, like supernova good. And then all of a sudden he just, he got to a point where you just can't separate and you can't create that. So hopefully Mike Thomas still has it in the, in the, in his engine, but we're going to have to wait. Guys you mentioned had short since stints with the saints. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but for the same reasons, like, it's like, Oh, maybe he still got it. I think Des Bryant actually still did have a little bit of juice left. And then he tore that Achilles on his first practice. And I was like, well, shit. But and I only say that because Drew Brees would have would have been able to take advantage of what he had left. Brandon, uh, the other guy I mentioned. Oh, um, Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall. I forgot his <laughs> name. Like I think he was he was completely out of it uh, when he when he showed up. But it was like let's see what he has, and he didn't have it. I, I um, laughed one time in the locker room. He proclaimed himself as the best scout team wide receiver on the team. <laughs> he probably was. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, good for him. At least he understood where he was. Yeah. So I did adjust these grades slightly. So we went through wide receiver, but they are now ranking slightly above offensive and defensive line. So wide receiver, okay. I have at a 32.5. I have the offensive and defensive line at 31 for different reasons, but for the sake of time, we'll go through them together. Defensive end, you know, it's funny because you have all of these names on here and kind of like with the linebacker room, it's the grade itself is pulled so far up by Cam Jordan existing in this group, and there's so much question marks, so many question marks behind him that it's that it's tough. But I have the starters. I have at a seven. Whoever it is, I assume it's going to be Peyton Turner. Maybe it's Carl Granderson. Maybe Isaiah Foskey blows the doors off and wins that starting job out of camp as a rookie. I don't know, but like Cam Jordan would be at a nine, even at this point in his career, in my opinion. And then whoever it is, you're probably putting out a five or a six. And so it averages out to a seven depth. I have it a six. I actually think that's probably unfair, but pay, because Peyton Turner has been so inconsistent and because I don't know, want to know, I don't know what to expect out of Isaiah Foskey and Carl Granderson, I think is a solid rotational player, but he shouldn't be your starter. I have it at a six dependability, 6.5. Again, Cam Jordan would be at a 10 here. Hmm. There's no one more dependable than Cam Jordan. Right. The, real, the only reason it's as high as it is is because of Cam Jordan, because beyond that, could be anything. So 6.5. I also think Isaiah Foskey is probably, you know, in terms of availability, he's going to be right there with Cam. I think they have a, they share a lot of traits in terms of the amount they work and just their kind of durability. Um, but so 6.5. Track record, 6.5. Again, like this is all making Cam look worse than he is. But in reality, Cam is saving this group. <laughs> and then playoff experience, five. Again, Cam as much as you could hope for on the Saints roster in terms of been to the NFC championship, been in the playoffs so many times, and then everybody else zip. Um, <laughs> Tano, I guess, has been there with the Chiefs. Right. But, and then, so total 31. And I just think that's the question. It's like, you know what you're going to get out of Cam. You kind of have a question mark everywhere else. And there's too many positions on this roster as I go through this, too many positions where, you have one guy at the top of the roster, the depth chart, and then just you're hoping someone else can jump up and, and be that reliable player at some other key positions. I've said this for a while now with the Saints. You know, you think about when's the really the last time that they had a reliable guy opposite of Cam Jordan on that, a defensive end. And right. for me, it's it's all the way back with, uh, you know, a, a favorite and um, Mr. What's-His-Name, a belt on the beach. Uh, hold on. Junior Gallette. Yes, thank you. Junior Gallette was a double See, I digit. Think they, when they had Trey, they, they were there. Um, and 2020 was probably their best pass rush season. 
uh, been a while, but yeah, I mean, even he was that, he was basically that one year and then they let him go. So for like an extended period, you're probably right. It probably was Junior Gallet, as as much as that pains me to say, because he's such a lunatic. No, exactly. You, my, you you look at it, and it was like, wow, there was actually somebody putting up double digit sacks right. opposite of Cam. We saw some promise out of a Marcus Davenport. Never came to fruition. He gone now. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, Peyton Turner can be that dude. But yeah, that's that's definitely one. He's got the uh, the big crosshairs on him. This training camp for me. A lot of eyes going to be on uh, Peyton Turner going into this year. I agree, and, and so we've been going on this a while. Let's just go to offensive line here. Also at a thirty-one, I think the 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 lines are kind of. I think it's fair to say they're kind of in the middle, but for very different reasons, right? Because on the offensive line, you know, I put the starters at an eight when they're all healthy. I feel really sure. good about it. Yeah. The problem is, so depth I also think is reasonable at seven point five, especially with Sal Deveri coming in and James Hurst. If he's not your starting left tackle, I think he's a really good depth piece. When he is your starting left tackle, I think you are at a disadvantage just because he's not a starting left tackle in the NFL. He's a great backup. He's not a starting left tackle, but he can swing from tackle to guard. That's very useful. I think it's kind of what they're trying to establish with Sal DeVere, where he can play either position and that saves you. But then Landon Young, I think, is a serviceable backup, right? So I think depth is good. But then dependability, I put it at a four because... I mean, look at it. Like, Ryan Ramchek has been your healthiest guy, but even he's been dealing with knee injuries the last few years. He's getting older. Eric McCoy was really dependable his first two seasons. The last two seasons, he has dealt with calf injuries, which when you're a guy who has to get down and snap the ball, calves can be tricky because it's putting a lot of pressure on there as you get out of your stance. Trevor Penning, we have not seen him start. Well, we've seen him start one game, and he tore his foot up. So who knows? Cesar Ruiz has been very reliable, but then he got hurt at the end of last season. Andres Pete has about been as hurt as about anybody as you could imagine. And so, yeah, like that tanks their grade there. Even though you have all of this first-round talent, you have all of these quality players, they just never seem to be on the field at the same time. Track record, I give them a six. Playoff experience, I put it at a 5.5 because on one side of the line, or, you know, with, with McCoy, with, Ram check with Pete, you do have some serious playoff experience, but then with Ruiz, with Penning, um, with some other guys, you don't. So it kind of puts it in the middle and at the end kind of balances out to 31. But like, again, the offensive and defensive lines are both 31s for me, but for completely different reasons. Yeah. And obviously, like you're mentioning too, the, these numbers and rankings have a great chance to go up. And I, I would sure hope with this offensive line, they should be one of the better units uh, on this Saints squad because of what they've invested there. But, man, like you mentioned, though, too, you cannot overlook the injuries. These guys take a beating. And, I mean, even for someone as great and reliable as Ryan Ramchek, yeah, we saw him. He wasn't the same dude last season. Yeah, and 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 they also have sixteen offensive linemen on the roster right now, which is kind of crazy. Wow, <laughs> that's so many, um, and a lot of them are quality. Like even like guys like Lewis Kidd, guys that made the roster. Billy Price was a first round pick a few years back. Landon Young has started multiple games. Storm Norton uh, was, you know, a, they went out and signed him for a reason. They like him, right? He's Calvin Throckmorton has started several games. Like you have a lot of intriguing options on this offensive line. The depth is fantastic. I'm just worried about the starters. And 
yeah. Anyway, uh, that, that's that's kind of where I land on it. And yeah, these very official rankings that the grades that you're going to follow these guys around forever. Um, no, yeah. And and like you you're mentioning though too with that starting line when they're together they're great and that hasn't that's been a problem. And you look too, it's like just that continuity when you lose one body or two bodies, you know how the guys end up playing together as a whole is affected. It's it's really tough. Yeah, and so let's wrap up this segment. I'll go through this list one more time so we kind of get an idea of where we're at, and then we're going to go into the final position groupings who I think are the strongest. Uh, And so 28.5 tight end, 29 quarterback, 29.5 defensive tackle, 30 linebacker, 31 offensive line, defensive line, 32.5 wide receiver. And again, these grades are based on five categories, all graded from 0 to 10 on a scale, starting quality, depth, dependability, track record, and playoff experience. So every all the position groups that I have not mentioned are somewhere above that, and we're going to get into it in the final segment. Again, this is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. You can check out the latest Saints content over at WWL.com. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. That'd be a great place to let us know any segments you'd like to hear, any content you'd like us to go through research. We're getting ready for training camp, so it's kind of the dead period. So if there's any time to suggest a podcast segment that we could sink our teeth into, the time is now. So go check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak and Steve at Steve Geller WWL. This is Inside Black and Gold. We will be right back.